But the Cardinals should delete their team. Let the Braves beat you in Game 5 if this is the fight you were going to put up in the NLCS. I mean, just stop. Your team is so bad. Yeah, I don't know. Like, one week you brag about saying, of course, this is a good series. I told you it was going to be a good series between the Yeah, Cardinals. I didn't see this. And now, now you want them to delete their team. I don't, I don't know. Delete their team. They're horrible. I hate them. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Thanks for coming back for more Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast. It's been a big week. It's going to be a big week. So Joe Deck is with me, and we are going to talk about local stuff first, and we'll get to that hokey game later and plenty of baseball talk coming. But let's start with high school football, where Joe, you and I were at the Riverheads Fort game Friday, and it was a pretty solid high school football game, particularly early. It was a, it was a tight game, hard-hitting game, uh, but Riverheads, as probably predicted uh comes out on top they win 28 nothing yeah Fort Defiance hung around for three quarters but the fourth quarter just got away from them. they gave up 14 points in that fourth quarter and the offense never really got going for Fort um and Riverheads is just better I mean that's really what it boils down to Riverheads is just better than Fort and it's not saying Fort's not a good team it's just saying yeah, that when good. these other I teams like in the area you know say stuff they uh, I just sometimes scratch my head because I'm like you know that they're the best team in Augusta County, and it's not even really close. Like, I, I 28 points, I, I think the more times they play that game, the worse Riverheads beats them. Like, I think it's more advantage <laughs> Riverheads than Fort if they get on the field again. So, because there were moments in that game where I was like, Fort got kind of lucky there. Um, but... Uh, in particular, an interception in the red zone in the first half, where I was like, "All right, that yeah. that was kind of lucky for Fort to get that." Usually, mistake. that quarterback just throws it into the dirt mm-hmm. or runs it out of bounds, or or even just takes the sack. Like uh, uh, usually, the Riverheads quarterback does that because they just don't throw the ball often. And so, if that happens, Riverheads probably finds points there. Right, so, and yeah, so, it, and uh, it was a little bit of a momentum, and then Fort, you know, will try. Body yards nicely made a heck of a catch of uh, paper of that happening. Uh, really cool we caught that. But um, that was like the success Ford had. I mean, they, they played solid in other areas and did stuff to kind of keep Riverheads from going. But the only great things they did was that little drive after that interception and that little drive after, and then the punt. And the punt was the, the punt was one of the best plays of the game for Fort Defiance. I mean, they put it down to the one, and that really kept Riverheads from being in a position to really want to go down and score before halftime. And, and I mean, that's the positives. They kept Riverheads from scoring on two straight possessions. And that was, that's what you write home about. If you're a Fort fan, everything else, Riverheads just was better than you. And, and that's not everybody that goes into there. I mean, 90% of the teams that play Riverheads, that's what they say. So, yeah. And I, you know, I've got news for the big game of the week, the big game of the year that everybody's looking forward to. Like, would I be shocked if Riverheads controls that game? Not really. Like, I just think Riverheads is just that much better. And it's it's not saying the other teams in this area aren't good. It's just Riverheads is that much better. Um, and they're patient, too. They, Riverheads sees what's going wrong, and, and then they make the they will make the adjustment. adjustment to fix it. And it's not just like they panic and get crazy, and this mm-hmm. isn't working, and we give up. You know, they just, all right, we adjust the block in here. We're going to run this play to kind of set this up. We're going to move the guy back to football that can – uh, to fullback that kind of kind of run people over better than who we got in there. You know, it's just those little adjustments that they're just calmly make and it just all works out. 
And with as many backs as they do, they're going to wear you down in the fourth quarter. And that's what happened to Ford. Um, Zach for- Smiley was our player of the game. <laughs> Looking back at stats, we were probably wrong. I mean, Zach Smiley had a heck of a game and he made all the plays that stood out to us and, and, pro- and, and was the best player on the field. But man, I think I, I, in that looking at Dunlap's, I know he threw the interception, but everything else he did was great. He ran the ball well, ran for a touchdown, threw for uh, two touchdowns. Like that, that guy was a difference maker for Riverheads, and it's not something you usually get out of the quarterback position for that team doing more than just running it. So they kind of had two big players. I think we minimized that in our talk on Friday, but here I just wanted to kind of say it more that like he's been, he hasn't played quarterback the entire season. This is about his third game back at quarterback. And yeah, he had one poor throw, one bad decision, but everything else was pretty good. So I, I did want to kind of commend that kid to stepping up in a big game and uh, and making it happen. Yeah, I think we made the right call. I'm I'm not going to. I'm not taking the award away. I'm just saying. I'm, maybe he had 175 things. yards on 17 carries. That's 10.3 and yeah. a touchdown. Yeah, he had he a good game. He threw a stiff arm and he jumped half the team. And yeah, it was one of those he, completions he for technology. Dunlap. He had 32 yards in the game and one was a 16-yard pass. So, I mean, it, look, he, he made the passes when they were called on him. I agree. He had a he did what they needed when they called him, but Zach Smiley had the bigger game. Thus, he's player of the game. But I, I was acknowledging the other guy that had. That's fine. He he did he did. <laughs> the other three touchdowns were him. So um, all right, Buffalo Buffalo Gap, Gap wins. Yeah, took took care of Stanton twenty three to eight. Yeah, uh, Stanton playoffs are done. It, they're done. They're tied yeah, right now with Gap no in the PowerPoints. The yeah, they're tied right now with PowerPoints with Gap, and they're done. It's going to get yeah. worse from here on out. Unless Gap completely stubs their toe, which would be shocking to me against Wilson. That would be about the only way Stanton can slide back in. I, there's no way Stanton's going to beat Riverheads or Stewart Straff, so they can't do it themselves. And, and Buff- they basically have to hand it a playoff position. Not going to happen. Gap's going to take care of business against Wilson. They have a lot to play for in that game. So, yeah, Stanton, disappointing season. I believe this is the, their worst start since 2002. Um, in 2002 and 2003 were their only losing seasons in the last, you know, 20 years. And uh, so this is as bad as that. They have a new coach. We knew their talent level was decreasing from what they had from a couple of years ago. I don't I, do, I just don't look at Phillips and say this is his fault. No, this, it's, it's there to fix it. And that, you know, whoever was coming in there was going to have that talent level. They got to put in their own system. There's some things I'd like to see a little different out of that team. And I think he's got to kind of bring that along. Uh, they just don't play as tough as what a, a Phillips coach team I would expect to be. So hopefully we start seeing that happen for them. But yeah, this season's not going to go that way. They're going to be playing basketball uh, right on time. And uh, Buffalo Gap should get in the playoffs, should be, you know, that's going to be tough games in the playoffs. But making the playoffs is a huge win for that program, who was also under a transition, losing a lot of talent, having a new head coach. And they really took advantage of some opportunities this year. I'm going to say something that might be controversial. I don't I don't think it is that controversial. No, but (laughs) Coach Wygant, in my opinion, is coach of the year in the Shandua district because I did not see this coming from Buffalo gap. I did not see this team as a playoff team and he's going to get Buffalo gap in the playoffs. I understand coach Castro is going to go undefeated, probably win a state championship, but that was expected. What Buffalo gap is doing is completely unexpected. And to me, I think coach Wygant deserves that nod. I love giving respect to coach Wygant. I think he's done a good job. I agree with what you're saying. I I'm not sure if six wins is going to get me that, to that point. I think I'm going to look at Stuart Strapton Riverheads 
and and probably find someone there um, before I would look at Wygant there. But uh, I commend him, and and maybe maybe I'm wrong, and maybe when we get to game ten of the season, I'll look at it a little differently. It's just maybe maybe one more unexpected. I mean, if they, I mean, they did good against draft, but if six wins is about as high as we're expecting of them to say, you know, we don't think they're going to be Riverheads. And, and so we're not being, uh, no one said six wins at the beginning of the year. though. Is my point. No one said six wins. I don't think a lot I, of people were saying to, three. I would have to see them at like seven, seven or eight, I guess in my head to kind of put them over the top in my mind. But Hey, I, he deserves a lot of praise and respect. And maybe here, maybe in three weeks, I look at it differently, but just right now, I'm not quite ready to say that just because I, I do respect what, what coach Castro, I know it's expected, but I mean, you get everybody's best shot. I mean, you, that the target is on your back each and every week. And he still goes into the season, makes adjustments, does the little thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm not quick to minimize what coach Castro does there, even though it is expected, but then also out at Stewart's draft, that's a three and seven team last year. And they're about to win nine or 10 games this regular season. Like that, that's something to be said there about Nathan Floyd and what he's been able to do turn with the exact same players, turn them, you know, more than opposite record. I mean, they're, they're not going to be seven and three. They're going to have nine or 10 wins. So I, I'd probably be looking at those two coaches before I would Wygant at this point. I would say coach Floyd would probably be the argument I would listen to earlier. And I'm not trying to diminish Coach Casto either. I mean, look, I'm saying Riverheads. I said at the beginning of the year, Riverheads wasn't going to have a game within three scores. So obviously, yeah. I think he's a good coach. He knows what he's doing. He's built this program, and it shows on the field when they go out there and dominate everybody that he knows what he's doing, and he does a good job. I'm just saying, when when I'm looking at Buffalo Gap, and I'm saying, this is probably a two-win team, and they win six games and get in the playoffs, which I thought was way beyond expectations. I'm saying he exceeded expectations. Coach Floyd, I figured Stewart's draft would have a better year. Now, if they're 9-1, and one, that's better than I thought they were going to be. I thought they would probably lose another game or two. Um, so, yeah, maybe. But Stewart's draft's going to be 9-1. and one or, or That's what I'm saying. Coming. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe Coach Floyd gets it over Wygan, and I would understand that. But to me, I, I do think when you have the better players in the district and it's not close... They do I, have talent. Riverhead I do have talent. think that that sometimes then you have to look at the other coaches and go, okay, well, who's doing more with less? It is interesting. You know, I, and I guess I'm playing my Homer role, but I, I'm just trying to argue with you. You know, Coach Castro until May was going to be, you know, floating on a beach ball or you're out in the woods hunting all fall. You know, you know, he had different plans for the summer and fall and he jumped back in and, and kept that program right at the top. Um, I don't know. I, he'll, you know what? He probably won't. Well, but you can't practice the in the VHSL during win. that time, can you? So, I mean, what time did he miss with the kids? How much time did he miss oh, with the kids? I mean, the, other than off-season conditioning, lifting and, the, and I mean, Coach Castro is very involved through the. Yeah, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying other than off-season conditioning, I mean, he, he's not missing like. He didn't miss all pads practice, time. No, but, yeah. Um, I think it's something. The thing is. Yeah, he probably, uh, you know, more I talk about Stewart's draft, the more I realize, yeah, he's probably not winning coach of the year in the district, but he'll probably win state coach of the year, and I bet he'll take that, so. <laughs> yeah, no, and and he deserves 1A coach of the year. Like, he deserves 1A coach of the year in the state because no one else can hold a candle to him. Yeah. But And he's built, the, I mean, you have to you have to shine respect on the program that's there. I mean, we're when you win four state championships in a row, you deserve state coach of the year, yeah. Um. So good on Buffalo Gap. And then moving over to Stewart's draft, they beat Wilson. Not much to talk about there. 
Rockbridge beat Waynesboro. Nothing to talk about there. I thought it was interesting. The other interesting game that I heard people talking a lot about was Spotswood TA. It was the game of the week for WHSV. Spotswood won, and that's not surprising, but it was TA leading and then Spotswood only winning 14 to 10. That was a defensive, hard-fought battle. Respect to TA, even in the loss. Um, and, and I, you know, I don't know. There's two ways of looking at it. Is Spotswood, the week before, we thought Spotswood was great, taking it to Rockbridge, and wow, look at that. But then they get held back by TA. So I'm not sure to where to figure this out. And I think the rest of the season will tell us um, is TA TA's good. that much better or is Spotswood is maybe Spotswood's resume not quite as good. We'll see. What worries me is just seeing what Spotswood did last year in the playoffs with the early exit. I just want to see them, you know, win two playoff games before I'll start just easing up on that. Um, but that's a team, you know, north of us that I'm not as familiar with. And I don't see them week in, week out. I think they're solid. I just I'm anxious to get see them in the playoffs and, and get some wins. Yeah, I think TA's that good, but I, I hope so. I hope so. And that means they're probably gonna win a playoff game too. Uh moving on for the games coming up this week. Fort versus draft. That's where you and I will be. Um Fort's gonna have to play better pass defense against draft. Uh they're capable, but they just need to show it. And then offensively, I, I, they've got to do something. They have to put up points offensively. Yeah, they they've dropped off a little bit. They were looking better, but against it was against worse competition. But they're down to only averaging 27 points a game. Obviously, didn't score last week. Um, you know, Stanton was good, but then the Rockbridge game only six. So, yeah, you just gotta they gotta get it going offensively against a quality team. And uh, Stewart Draft is a quality team, so that'll be a challenge for them. The thing that I really come back to with looking at this game and picking, and, and I'm I'm probably hitting at who I'm gonna pick on Friday, but if both these teams play their best, if both teams play good, you know, maybe, maybe not perfect games, but both teams are playing the way they want to play and play good. I think Stewart draft wins. I think they just have too yeah. many answers. And so that's why I think Stewart draft pulls this one out. I think we're still destined for the game of the century in the, in the final week that we've all been talking about. But I, I think Stewart draft wins. Cause I just think they're more dangerous with their past game than Ford is. Their run game, I think is actually more dangerous than Ford's is and their defense is better than Ford's is. So it just, they're better. Yeah, I agree. But I like Fort. I said that last week after they they lose Riverheads. I like them. I like the way they play. They do play pretty tough. I like the Monroe kid at quarterback. I like the nicely kid. Trevor Bartley is a, you know, a cannonball coming out of there. It's just I think they're again facing a better team this week. I agree. Speaking of better teams, Riverheads plays Stanton. Uh, yeah. Stanton's going to need to play their A game, and they're going to need Riverheads to play their F game if they want to. And I still don't know. Maybe have a win. Up. Yeah, and that's a maybe. Uh, the Wygant Bowl, as you're calling it, Wilson taking on Gap. <laughs> this is a game that, you know, this is this is it for Gap. You win this, you should be golden. Um, I, uh, I, I, I would be shocked if this is a close game at halftime. I would be too. I think Gap has proven uh, has proven themselves. They played good against Stewart and then they come back the next week and and control Stanton. You know they were down, but it was it was never out of reach. It was always, it was basically tied, and then they took off from them. I, I believe in Gap. It's easy for me to always say that, but I, I do believe in them. I think they definitely take care of business this week. Uh, moving to volleyball, you went to watch Riverheads and Fort play last week. Uh, Fort ended up winning in five sets. Uh, and that pretty much paves the way for a Shenandoah district title. Yeah, it's it's free, clear road ahead of them there. They beat Riverheads twice, and they beat Wilson. Um, really going to be, they're really going to have to mess up multiple times for them to even worry about losing this district. They're two games up and own the tiebreakers, and uh, they still face Wilson again. But one loss isn't going to 
losing the district. So I think they're probably going to close it out. They are really good. They have a lot of tall girls up front. They hit well. Um, I was proud of how, as a home, Riverheads homer, I was proud how Riverheads grinded on them, forced to game five. The only times Fort Defiance had played, you know, more played five games is in a loss to Rockbridge, you know. So um, they got it done. They they really picked up in that fifth game too and won by a little bit of a margin there. So, you know, good on them. They're a good team. Um, I think Riverheads is too. I, you know, I think that's that's what was proven there too. Riverheads going to take some pretty tough shots in uh, 1A to win a state championship. And I think they showed they can handle it by uh, taking Fort to those five games. So I think that's the class of the district. I think Wilson still has stuff to say. I mean, they're still a solid team, even though they lost to Riverheads. Uh, they'll they'll play again uh, as well. So um, still some good volleyball down the stretch here, but those are we keep talking about those three teams because those are the three best teams. Yep. In the NFL, uh, the Redskins lost 9 nothing um, in a game where the offense didn't show up, but the defense played pretty well. So yeah. they covered. I don't have – yeah, I, and I really don't have much on the NFL here. Uh, the Ravens, they won. Um, if you got something for that. <laughs> yeah, this was the first time I think all year I've actually sat back and watched and went, hmm, we might actually be pretty good. Um, the defense played really, really well. The offense wasn't great. Uh, Lamar Jackson was definitely more of a runner than a passer today or that day. But in his defense, the tight end Andrews had three horrible, horrible drops on one drive that probably would have been or two horrible drops on one drive that would have ended in a touchdown and a third one that really hurt us. Um, but we went for it on a fourth down, converted on it deep in Seattle territory, which I was already about to have my head explode, um, but we got it. And then that later ended up being a touchdown. And look, uh, we're we're going to win that division. So yeah, it's, I've, I've it's been, just I've about getting in the playoffs while. and seeing what happens when you're there. I keep trying to think if I should go back to a year ago and get all your quotes on how bad your quarterback sucks and how he's terrible. I don't think he's, he's great. I don't think he's great, but he's not. He's playing better than I. He's playing better than I thought he would. Yeah. yeah. He, I mean, he played well yesterday. So yeah. All right, let's get to the meat of this thing. The NCAA football section of the podcast. I, Tech. They played this weekend, didn't they? I think they played a little bit of football. They played about two games. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a bunch. Six overtimes, uh, longest game that's happened in, in, in the NCAA for a little bit here. Uh, it introduced us all to some new overtime rules that, honestly, to be dead honest, as much as I follow everything, I didn't know those new overtime rules existed. I didn't either. So we were learning on the fly with my kids screaming and yelling and, and <laughs> a very I think that was my of understanding in the room of what was going on. And I think that it, was my was favorite part. Was it you was trying crazy. to listen to the TV and hear the explanation of the rules while your kids were enjoying themselves? Yes, they were having a good time. So uh, we all were having a good time. We, uh, we got podcast uh, listener Ron over and we had a good time. I had a bet with him on the game, so I'm happy I won that one. But uh, I mean, tech pulls it out. And as much as we had, don't have confidence in tech and as much as we've really had our low moments already this season with tech, that was a gutty win, and for them to hold on and get it, make the plays to win it, go three three quarterbacks to get there. I mean, it showed a lot of heart, and the worry of losing the locker room again and all that. It doesn't seem like that's what's going on. I don't think you 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 know this wasn't guys saying, "Oh, I want to lose this so we don't make a bowl game," uh, like that we were hearing from last year's team. I I'm less worried about losing the locker room aspect of the uh, Fuente stuff. I'm I'm still not Mr. Fuente, but I just. I I'm less concerned about that aspect of the negatives. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I don't think he has lost the locker room. I saw kids celebrating with him. 
Um, and then his kids celebrating with him, but the college kids celebrating with him when we got the win. Yeah. But (laughs) I, I will preface this. I think it's because he made a switch at quarterback. I think if Ryan Willis was still the quarterback of this team, he would lose this team because we wouldn't be in these games. And Ryan Willis came in and he made one good play. It was a drive. He inherited, which was an 11 yard pass. It was the best pass he's thrown maybe in his life. Um, to Hazleton, that was a touchdown. And then went, what happened the next drive he was in? He turned into yeah. Ryan Willis, and he got he sacked. two bad drives. And he, and he held on to the ball too long, and he's not quick enough, so he can't scramble out of pressure like Quincy and Hooker. And and I, I'm sorry, I, I want to stay positive here, but I just saw too many stupid fans on Twitter saying, oh, no, it's going to get said. It's going to get said because <laughs> these fans are like, Look at this picture of Ryan Willis celebrating with Quincy Patterson on the sideline when he scored. That's a true leader. Cool. You know what? He can go lead the Boy Scouts for all I care, but he better not be leading this offense ever again because that kid is horrible. The only thing I've seen him do well is hold on to a clipboard or high-five his teammates or hug his teammates. He can be a professional hugger, but he's not going to be a quarterback at Virginia Tech ever again. He's not good enough. He flat-out stinks, and these people who are defending Ryan Willis to a really uncomfortable level are the same people who liked Sean Glennon and probably want to stick with Sean Glennon over Tyrod Taylor. Um, I want to. I do want to be a devil's advocate for a point, just for a second. When Hooker is little dinged up, because obviously they didn't know how bad he's hurt or anything when they run him on the very next play. Uh, so stupid, so but yeah. You think he's out of the game for, hey, let's send him to the locker room ahead of us at halftime. I need to throw a quarterback in there. You do, with 24 seconds left on a third down play, you do need to put the guy in that has more experience. So I don't have a problem with them going to Willis in that play. I don't like Willis. You know I don't like Willis. We've talked about it at length. I don't like Willis. But in that moment when you think, I'm going to have to throw this other guy in here for one or two plays, and I need the best thing to happen to me, and obviously they didn't have confidence in Quincy Patterson before Saturday, you put Willis in, and he did do well. But when you go in that locker room at halftime and find out your quarterback's not coming in the rest of the game, you go to Patterson right then. You don't put Willis back out there because you've seen what he's too much this season, what he does on long drives. You know, when you hand the ball over to him and to lead the team, it isn't working. You get blown out by Duke. So you should have gone to Quincy then. Maybe we win that game outright in regulation if we just go to Quincy then because Quincy was very um, productive. Sure, we ran the ball 20 times with him, and maybe I'd like to see him throw the ball a little bit more. He got the job done in the end. It might have taken six overtimes, but we got the job done. We might not have needed six overtimes if we just didn't waste two drives to start the second half. We wouldn't but, have had six overtimes if Ryan Willis had played the whole game, the rest of the game. Oh, yeah, we'd have lost, we'd have lost by two touchdowns. Uh, two touchdowns is generous, but yeah. In the second half of the whole game. I mean, I, I mean that's If he I'm had saying. finished the game, we would have lost by more than two touchdowns. Okay. I, I was trying to say we get, you know, run out of there. But, yeah, I, it's just I, in the moment of that right before halftime, 24 seconds left, you do go with Willis there. But then as soon as you know you don't have Hooker back, you should have gone to Quincy sooner. So I'm just happy we won. I'm happy I learned what over, how overtime works in college football now. And um, I'm anxious to hear how Hooker's doing. I'm glad we have a bye week. Um, and even if he's not back for our next game, I – I, I don't know. If I feel okay. The next game. Yeah. But after that, if he's coming back, I, I'd, I'd like to see him back. I don't want I do think Hooker might be better than Quincy Patterson, but because we were underachieving just running Logan Thomas up the middle at quarterback. I don't I don't want us to yeah. fall back into that same kind of style. And I know it's a different coaching staff, but maybe these guys haven't learned that lesson. So I, I, I do hope Hooker can get back 
within the next you know two or three weeks. But I, I do like Quincy Patterson to keep the ship afloat if Hooker can't go. Uh, and better than Willis. To all these down. psychologists on Twitter who are talking about how important Ryan Willis, Ryan Willis is going to be important for this team down the stretch. Yeah, it, as long as he's not on the field. And if he's such a great leader, Does then he how fill come? Water bottles? If he's such a great leader, then why is it when he's on the offensive, leading the offense, that offense can't move and is allergic to first downs? Why is that? Why does he keep turning the ball over? And Quincy Patterson and him, the hooker, seem to take care of the ball pretty good. Yeah. That's my question to these idiots that the same people that are like, you shouldn't have booed. I didn't like the fans booing Ryan Willis in the North Carolina game after he got sacked for the fifth time because he has no talent and can't read a defense. I yeah. I booed him in your living room and I loved every second of it. <laughs> when that kid's back in Kansas selling cars, I'll be happy. What I was booing was as him being a bad player. As our, our defense came up with stops when they needed to, they made some big plays. But man, we gotta we gotta clean up the deep ball. The deep ball's burning us, and we we can't. It's give really up that, that Connor balls. kid. That Connor kid's bad. Yeah, he's not good. But we gotta clean it up. I agree, but other than the big, I, I saw your note there, and I and I agree. But other than the deep balls, I thought the defense actually played really well. Yeah, yeah, it's the deep balls, and it drove me crazy though in the moment. Yeah, and then even looking back, I watched the game. I went back and on Sunday at one o'clock. I didn't watch NFL. I watched the playback on uh, on <laughs> That's Comcast so sad. or whatever, and it got interrupted. <laughs> it got interrupted by Redskins post game. Like I didn't even see fifth and six overtimes because it got interrupted. Yeah, and I was so mad because that was what I just been sitting there waiting for, but. Um, who wants to watch Redskins post game when they lose nine, nothing, they covered the um, spread. <laughs> Ooh. Um, but yeah, it, it was a heck of a game worth rewatching. I, 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 in college, I rewatched every game. I haven't done that since maybe I've been married. Definitely. Since I did, had kids, I rewatched it on Sunday. That deep ball got my nerves, but man, we had big plays. It was fun game. And even if the season, I mean, we've kind of been on a little couple positives here. If it doesn't keep going that way, this was a fun game that I'll remember. And, and it'll be a positive note. UVA crushed Duke. Um, Duke's not should. good. Duke's yeah, not good. The Coastal's not good. UVA yeah. controls their destiny, but we'll see what happens. To, to be fair, so do we, but yeah. they, they, they We don't to. control our own destiny. Someone else has to beat Duke. Someone's going to beat Duke. Okay, well, we don't control our own destiny. You don't know Anybody what that phrase means. That phrase means if you just said all we have to do, all that phrase Duke. means all we have to do no, but controlling our own destiny, the phrase means all we have to do is win out. No, we have to win out, and we need someone to beat Duke again. for us. Fine. That's controlling your own destiny. I understand what it is, and I'm, I'm just, they'll get out of our way. It's not a big deal. We're going to play UVA in the last week, um, and either we're going to be playing for a bowl game or we're going to be playing for that spot in Charlotte or wherever we play it now. I think it's more likely a, a, for a bowl game, not... Um, oh, I think we've had a bowl game locked up before that game. Hopefully so. I, I don't so. think Wake Forest is good. I'm glad they're in the top 25. I hope they stay in the top 25 when we play them. No, they're a top 25 team. We can't beat a top 25 team. You have to respect every top 25 team. It doesn't matter who they are. That's not told not when they're in the ACC. When they're outside the ACC, yeah, I respect them. when they're them. in a worse conference, that's when we have to more believe. Appalachian them. State would win the ACC Coastal. Appalachian State would win the Coastal if they were in it. There, I said it. They, they wouldn't. They would. They wouldn't. They would. They handled North Carolina, a team that we took six overtimes to beat. They would absolutely destroy us and then laugh in our face. Transitive property and, and Carolina was right there. There is equal to Clemson. They're right there with Clemson. So, Dude, you are so wrong about this. It's fine. Put on your blinders. 
Put on your blinders. State. I just don't know why we keep Jay Billis is on the podcast. I'm glad to be working with Jay Billis, who just hates small schools and doesn't look outside the power five for teams. But Appalachian State would absolutely win the Coastal. Let's talk about a team that would beat Appalachian State. JMU, they beat They would not beat Appalachian State. 38-10. to 10. They're 7-1. I, I still don't have any confidence in them winning a national championship, but they got the rivalry win. But it was on Flow Sports, so I don't even know. No one scored, watched it. When they scored, what, what, how it went. Nobody watched it. Congratulations, CAA. Great deal. Multiple TVs set up my house, and I couldn't have watched JMU if I wanted to. Penn State won. Yeah, I liked that. Uh, Wisconsin plays Ohio State. Wisconsin is going to get killed. I, I no longer believe in Wisconsin. After you lose to Illinois, I just it's hard for me to buy in. Hey, they were looking ahead at Ohio State, so they got to make it worth it. They got to go mm. knock them off now, even even after losing. If and they, they do that, I would love it because it knocks the Big Ten out of the playoffs. Takes the Big Ten right <laughs> out. Auburn and LSU play in probably the biggest game of the weekend. Yes, uh, Auburn number nine, LSU number two, and that's that. S, that's what the SEC does, man. They just keep bringing great matchups. You know, if it's not every week, every other week, there's just some kind of top ten, top fifteen matchup that's awesome, and that's the SEC, and that's. That's why when people try to say, well, the SEC is not as good as everybody makes it. Yeah, they, they kind of are. The top is very good. The top is the top very is good. Very good. Yeah. And yeah, I don't really award teams to that, like finish, you know, the best six and seven team or, you know, the best, you know, middle of the road team. The top is what matters when they, they have a playoff for the top teams. The SEC is the best. They have the best top teams. They nearly they put two teams contending for it every year. And you could probably make an argument on a third one. SEC is the best. Everybody shut up trying to make them not the best. Okay. Okay. Notre Dame, Michigan play. I don't really care much about that game. Uh, Michigan should. I don't even know why we're even Michigan. Like, why Why do we care about Michigan? Why are they putting on 8 o'clock at night? Michigan, Michigan, Michigan. It's all about Michigan. I hate Michigan. <laughs> meatloaf, meatloaf. I hate meatloaf. Oh, that was not the reference, so... That's my reference, though. It reminded me. What is that from? What do you got it? Philip, Philip, Philip. It's all about oh, Philip. Yeah. I hate Philip. Yeah, that's a good one. But um, good one. Notre Dame ought to not. Later years of office. I'm yeah. not as good on seasons eight and nine. Uh, you just got to watch them all, man. That's... I do, but I'm not as good. If you haven't watched it 20 times, what are you doing with your life? Um... <laughs> First six seasons, 40 times. <laughs> but Notre Dame has... Uh, they ought to take care of Michigan and knock them out. Uh, Michigan's done. They're done. And Jim yeah. Harbaugh's going to get fired. Or and, or not example, be coaching at the end of the year. That Notre Dame-Michigan game being on at 8 o'clock is reinforced with what I saw today. They put the times out for two weeks from now for the ACC schedule. And they put every other game. They got it lined up where they're going to play and win. Except they have one that's on a 60 day hold. Miami and Florida State. And I was like, okay, they're on a hold. I can, like, sometimes not the best teams are on a hold. They're on a hold for either a spot at 3.30 on ABC or 7.30 on ABC. They, they potentially are they're holding that game because they might put that game at 7.30 on a Saturday night. Miami and Florida State, I mean, that just shows you college football is all about the name. It's all about the name. If it's on the ACC network, who cares? No, ABC. Oh, no. ABC. I heard that wrong then. I thought you said ACC. Um, no, ACC, yeah, I don't care either. I think ABC should Clemson on like ABC. Yeah, uh, ABC no, Network. ABC should ABC. never, never, never on ABC on that day. There is that game's going to the happen only way that game should be on ABC 
is if both ADs announce the loser loses their job. Like the loser fires their coach on the field. <laughs> like that's the only way that game should be Miami's on ABC. Not firing that coach yet. Florida State uh, firing <laughs> <not either. laughs> I don't know. Manny Diaz is not making a lot of friends when he says things like we're in rebuild mode. That's not something they usually do. Yeah, they're not going to fire him quite yet. But Florida State might might want to do that. Let's talk about the World right. Series really quickly. We're going to bring on the uh, DC crossover guys to talk more in depth. But the Astros, uh, Jose Altuve with the greatest walk-off I think I've ever seen. Um, well, really, that I'd never seen because I had to watch the replay it. of it. it. I watched the replay Somebody of it. I had to call you about it. No, I was listening to it on the radio. I wanted my kids to be able to sleep quietly you, and leave my house. I had, to, I had to call you and tell you how awesome it looked. Yeah, which shout out to your wife for letting me stay that late again. That was not the original intention. But then I was just like, you and I have this, and I'm sure people are going to be shocked listening to our podcast. We have this ability to just keep talking and then really enjoy each other's company. And then next thing next thing I know, it's like, oh, yeah, the 8 o'clock game just ended. Um, so, yeah. But uh, Jose Altuve, I watched the replay of it, killed that pitch. Uh, loved it. The only thing that would have been sweeter was if the camera had immediately gone to Brett Gardner's face so I could look at his dumb <laughs> face when it left. I know he was in the Valley League, and if John Leonard listens to this, he's going to tell me, you know he played with the Larray Wranglers. I know, and I hate him. Um, I don't like Brett Gardner. I don't like his face. I don't like anything about him. I don't like his attitude. What I'm pumped about is how the pitching, and I know yes. we're, we're in a day of age of sports where everybody wants offense, but it's going to be the best pitching World Series of all time. I mean, it's just both teams has great starters. That first matchup of Scherzer versus Cole, I don't know how much better that could get. Um, I'm just excited that that's going to be the major focus of these games is the pitching. I still the offense is still going to show up somehow, some way that you know you got to score runs to win. It's going to happen. Um, but I'm excited about watching these pitching matchups and uh, just the stats and the the parallels and the connections with you know Verlander. Uh, Sanchez and Scherzer all have been in Detroit when they, they had World Series runs and playoff runs. I just think it's it's interesting how all this has come together. So I'm pumped about it. I'll be satisfied with either team winning because I like Verlander. I like how the, what the Astros have done. I like what they've built. Um, I'm pulling for the Nats because I'm just happy for the Nats fans. They haven't done it before. So I'm pulling for the Nats harder, but I'm, it's not like I'm going to be upset if the Astros win. If the Houston astronauts do not win, I might be an astronaut and launch myself into space. I don't know if I can handle the Nationals winning a World Series. My prediction that I'm not hearing from other people, I'm going to say it's in six. I'm going to say one of the teams gets it done in six. I hope it's the Nats. Uh, I think it's the Astros in six, but yeah. Okay. Let's go to our NBA prediction. We're going to fly through this because we're not going to talk NBA much until uh, May. And even then it's minimal. Uh, the big news of the day, though, is Zion got injured. He, he, he gets hurt, but he's out six to eight weeks. He's got a lot of, lot of load on that body, and I guess his body takes a beating. Um, I hope he can get back. He's an exciting player. He's playing down there in New Orleans where Alexander Walker went. I was kind of hoping to watch a little bit of Pelicans because of that. Um, hopefully he can get back, you know, on the front side of that six to eight weeks. But, um, yeah, I, it, that's the big news of the day. I don't think that's going to affect our predictions, so – predictions we'll talk about the wizards in the next uh block but let's talk about what kind of dark horse team that you see out there in the nba this season i think the miami heat make a big jump from not making the playoffs last year to hosting or having home court advantage in the first round 
of the Eastern Conference playoffs. I think oh, top four. Yeah. yeah, top four. I think they're going to be really good. Um, I think the East saw some players leave. Uh, more importantly, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, and I think their draft pick, Tyler Heroes, having a pretty good preseason. And um, they got Jimmy Butler, who's a good basketball player. And I think I think they're going to be pretty good. I think the Jazz, I know that they were decent last year and they were in the playoffs last year. I just think there's going to be a lot of talk about them. I think at different points of season, they'll they'll look like one of the really the top teams in the West. And uh, I think that Jazz team is going to kind of open up a lot of eyes this year. That comes from a guy that doesn't like the Jazz. I never have liked the Jazz. I wasn't that's a mailman so fan. I wasn't a Stockton and Malone fan. But I think they're going to make a lot of noise this year. So that's kind of my dark horse team for the season. All right, let's talk about playoffs. And we'll just go with uh, conference champions. I got Bucks. You got Bucks. I got Clippers. You got Clippers. <laughs> the NBA Finals is where we differ. I've got Clippers in six. You got Bucks over Clips. I got Bucks because you see these playoffs happening, and and I the Western Conference is a better conference. We know that. But look at these last eight years. It's not just the West dominating. I mean, the Eastern teams get it. You know, when LeBron was still in Miami, when he was at Cleveland. Um, the Raptors last year, the East finds a way they get in that series and, and the best team can make it happen. I think the Bucks can make it happen. I think that'd be a cool story. Yeah. I mean, they might, I, I, I just think I watched Kawhi shut down Giannis last year. So I imagine he does it again. Right now. I mean, they, they they weren't, you know, formed naturally like the Bucks generally are. So I guess I'm kind of pulling for the Bucks a little bit too there. I think it is good if the Clippers could win the championship from that. That was the worst organization in sports. And when everybody talks about the Redskins now being the worst organization in sports, they're forgetting how bad the Clippers were for how long and how disrespectful the owner was and what a problem he was. They had to relieve him of being an owner. Um, that was That's the worst organization in sports history. And I think we're forgetting that when we talk about the Redskins. It would be cool if they could kind of rebound quickly here and, and, and win a championship. I think that'd be cool. But the, I picked the Bucks. The Browns might have something to say about that, but yeah. I mean, the Browns were a pretty good team, like, in the 70s and 80s. They they started stinking in the 90s and How 2000s. many Super Bowls so, did I mean, they the Clippers win? were, like, terrible forever. How many Super Bowls did they go to? Would Would zero be the right answer? Yeah, but they were like deep in the, in the conference championship, like multiple years in a row, weren't they? Like two or three years in a row. Like Elway. How many of those did, did they win against them? They were the Buffalo Bills. If the Buffalo Bills never went to the Super Bowl. I mean, what have the Clippers done? Period. Now that's true. I don't. I don't. Now that I've said that, I don't know if the Clippers have ever been to. And then like an NBA uh, the Finals. Redskins but have won two Super Bowls. Haven't the Clippers like not been the- around as long as the Cleveland Browns? So. <sighs> I mean, we can we can we can research. It's not. This, but I, the Clippers it's are not an important absolutely debate. Terrible. It's not important to me either. We're talking about the worst ever. It, it's a very Joe topic to talk about, but we'll move on. Let's get to the B block. We have some great guests coming on to talk about the Nats for a long time. We have the guys from DC Crossover Podcast. Mike Cerrone and Ben Simpson with us again here on the Yak Sports Podcast. Guys, welcome back. Second appearance. Um, and unfortunately for me, it's because the Nats are still playing. Um, and it's a World Series preview rather than a Nats season recap. Um, but 
Mike, I guess we'll start with you since you are the the Nats fan. I know Ben's a Nats fan too, but he also likes the Tigers and you're pure Nats. So we'll go to you first. Um, just oh, great. <laughs> how surprised are you that um, this has all come together with a World Series appearance considering you guys were down 2-1 to the Dodgers in the NLDS? I mean, it all came together um, pretty much, obviously, I think, back dating back to the wild card game because – you know, when you saw Juan Soto come up with that huge hit when everyone thought we were down and out, and I, I can even say myself that it was kind of weird, uh, you know, feeling, uh, or ha- I actually had a weird feeling during that game because, you know, I've seen, and so, so has been the collapses year in and year out since 2012, and just everything that has happened when, you know, when Drew Storen had his whole entire stuff happen, and Aaron Barrett, you know, throwing to the backstop, and just all these different things that we're just like, you know, why is this happening to us? Personally, for me in the wild card game, when when I saw Juan Soto get up there, I was like, we actually have a shot at this. And I actually got really excited rather than saying, are we going to lose this or not? Because we've seen in the past in the NLDS is that we've lost that, you know, when it comes down to the final out or the final strike uh, in, certain, in certain years, that, you know, we're always trying not to lose it. But in that sense, when we finally got that hit and then the ball just randomly bounced our way, it, it kind of felt like, and I told Ben this millions of times now, that this is just exactly like the Cap series, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when they won the Cup. You know, we always, for the Caps, never got the, the puck to bounce our way. But that one ball that was hit to right field by Juan Soto in the, in the NL wildcard game, that was just a surreal feeling because we were like, are you serious? Like, did that really just happen for us, Washington, D.C. sports fans? And honestly, once that happened, I was like, you know, we got a shot at this. Everyone gave the Dodgers the World Series already, or at least a trip to the World Series. <laughs> and and to me, I think the Dodgers, they're kind of like the Yankees. I mean, a lot, say it's some guys that can hit for average, but most of their guys hit for power. Uh, they're not really average hitters, uh, so to speak, in quotations. Um, and that's why you saw, uh, you know, Anibal Sanchez go out there, throw a really good game, and then Steven Strasburg dominate them, so on and so forth, uh, with all the breaking and change-ups and all that kind of stuff they were throwing, they were having trouble with. But as, as a whole, I just think that NL wildcard game was kind of the turning point of the whole entire postseason because once we got that break, that final break that we've all been looking for, it kind of turned the tide, uh, in my mind, for the, like, kind of like a surreal feeling to say, Hey, we actually got a shot at this thing this year. How uh, how happy were you that you didn't have to play the Braves in the last series? I mean, the Cardinals. It's kind of like uh, John Walton used to say. Uh, he's a, he's a Caps broadcaster that they're exercising their demons um, when he talked about the Caps and their playoff run. Uh, and I'm going to refer to the Caps a lot because, I, again, I've <laughs> basically just bludgeoned Ben's phone by saying the exact same thing over and over and over, saying it's feeling like the Caps run, but. Uh, John Walton said they were exercising their demons when they beat the Penguins. And, um, you know, it kind of felt pretty good when we got to the Cardinals because the Dodgers and the Cardinals have been our Achilles heel pretty much in the playoffs over the last, you know, seven, eight years, however long it's been. Um, you know, them being the two teams that kept eliminating us over and over and over again, and we just couldn't get over that hump. Uh, but I, I'm a little happy that obviously we didn't play the Braves because, anyone but Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna Jr., anybody but them I was happy with, honestly, because those two guys scare the heck out of me. Uh, but 
as a whole, you know, playing the Cardinals, it wasn't it wasn't too scary. I mean, Paul Goldschmidt at beast, but you know, just seeing their lineup and Dexter Fowler looking like he was like a crying baby every single time he got up to the plate. I mean, they just they just were out of the series after the Anibal Sanchez because that was the game they needed to win. And you know, not playing the Braves was a plus for us, but you play the opponent that that, that you're given, and right there we 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 took out two opponents that have been killing us over the past seven eight years. So I'm happy for both, but hey, it's on the World Series, and that's I'm, I'm just pumped for tomorrow night. All right, Ben, I want to bring you in and piggybacking off what Mike said. I I thought the same thing when I saw the Cardinals do what they did to the Braves in game five. I was like, man, every Nats fan has got to be jumping for joy because you don't have to play the Braves who were really a problem for the Nats this year. Um, And then you get to play a lineup that, and when I looked at the cards lineup, I was like, yeah, other than Paul Goldschmidt, I don't know if there's a single player I'm scared of in this lineup. And it game one and game two, you had your starters throwing no hitters uh, in game one. It was into the eighth game two was into the seventh, Uh, just completely dominating Uh, from your perspective. What have you made of this, and what kind of chance do you give them against the Astros, who have the pitching and have that dangerous lineup that they didn't have to see in the NLCS? Sure. Well, first of all, I think I fully credit the success of the Nats for the fact that Mike and I haven't done our show for like a month and a half. (laughs) So I think directly that is why the Nats are where they are. So I think for Mike and I, we're just going to stay on break for a little while because things are going the right way. Um, but, you know, in, in all honesty, I think, um, as Mike said, you know, getting the Cardinals um, was kind of exercising the demons. You beat the Dodgers, you beat the Cardinals. It was like that Nats, um, you know, revenge trail and that sort of thing. I was surprised. I was surprised. I mean, I thought, um, you know, uh, Michaelis is a pretty good pitcher. Jack Flaherty was one of the best pitchers in the Major League Baseball in the second half of this year. I expected more um, from the from the Cardinals in those games. And the Nats kind of made them look silly. I mean, it was, especially in those last couple blowout games, I was not expecting that at all. Um, and so that was, that was a big surprise. And I think uh, when you know, you know things are going right when Jan Gomes is having a great series. Jan Gomes, for those who haven't been following the Nats, has been one of the most frustrating hitters on the Washington Nationals all season long. You brought him in. Uh, he was no better than your old boy, Matt Wieters, who, uh, oh, you God, know, he's horrible. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's he, he's pretty bad. But I'm telling you, Jan Gomes was not much better throughout the season. Next thing you know, Jan Gomes in the eight hole is is hitting gaps, uh, gappers uh, for two bags. And then you've got, um, you know, guys like Michael A. Taylor uh, subbing in for Victor Robles and hitting home runs. And so, you know, everything was going the right way. But as far as the Astros go and kind of looking ahead here, I mean, I was people asked me heading into the series when it was still when the Yankees were still alive, who I would rather face. And I said, you know, I'd rather face the Yankees. I I don't think the Yankees had the pitching to match up with the Nats. Now, we know the Astros do have the pitching to match up with the Nats, with Garrett Cole, uh, with Granke, with Verlander. I mean, this has got to be one of the best pitching matchup World Series we'll ever see, um, at least, you know, in, in this decade. So. I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous. I think, uh, you know, everyone seems to be favoring the Astros and for good reason. I mean, for those who don't watch the Astros, they do everything. Uh, They've got a a fantastic lineup of guys like Altuve, George Springer, uh, Alex Bregman, obviously, you know, one of the best players in Major League Baseball. They've got the starting pitching. They've got the bullpen. Uh, You know, I think what works in the Nats' favor is how hot they've been and how great the starting pitching has been. And I think that gives them a fighting chance. Um, 
But, you know, I could see this definitely going six or seven games for sure. Um, and, you know, it, it could really go either way. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I want to give a full prediction here, but I'm telling you, oh, this, this could be one of the best series. Yeah, let's, well, I mean, what do we have you on here for? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking that's going to win. But here's I'm ready to give a prediction. Yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I, I think it's going to go seven in my in my eyes. Yeah, um, and I think awesome. I think the Nets um, could po- potentially take a take a game seven, especially because uh, while I do think Garrett Cole is an absolute stud on the Astros, we saw Verlander kind of you know not look that great in that last game against the Yankees. Yeah, I think Zach Greinke. I saw I was actually down in Tampa when the Rays were playing the Astros. Zach Greinke gave up a couple bombs in that game in the division series. I think, you know, Cole's the only guy that scares me. And I think if you're looking at the Nats, Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, uh, I mean, those, that's more of a three-headed monster than really what you're seeing on the other side in Houston. Wow. Okay. Um, Mike, let's get your prediction. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so, I mean, a little breakdown that I've seen so far uh, before I give my final prediction. I mean, the thing that no one really is, is pointing out, and I read an article today that was kind of previewing the entire series, and uh, then I, the, the writer, who I forgot his name already, uh, because I didn't really like the article, obviously. <laughs> um, uh, basically, that's what happens. When I read the article, I don't like it. I don't remember the person. I don't know how to read. Wait, Mike. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I don't read a lot of books, so. to you? No, no, I had an audio book. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so basically, I had to read it to me. Um, I had to type it in Microsoft Word and had a little computer say it to me. Um, so <laughs> bas- basically, um, that's an old reference there for you. Uh, basically, uh, when, I, when I look at the series, okay, the, the, the article that I read, you know, they, they, were, they were giving out advantages, like saying by position by position, which, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I understand that the actors are loaded, but they were really underselling the Nats, you know, lineup as a whole. And I think the Nats lineup is overall more complete uh, when it looks when it looking at when you're looking at batters, um, because I understand Springer and Altuve and, and as Ben said, Bregman, um, you know, Gurriel, all these type of guys can go out there and, and hit the cover off the ball, but they can also hit for average. But most of our guys, for the most part, uh, were, were hitting pretty decently well through both series. And that's the thing I look at is you look at this last ALCS with the Yankees who, like Ben mentioned, don't have the pitching as Houston does or even the Nats. I mean, Springer hit 160, uh, Bregman hit 167. I mean, you're looking at some of these guys that are, you know, they're big boppers, they're big, you know, big name hitters, the big name guys that they pay. And, you know, they were hitting, you know, zippy. I mean, I think Bregman uh, went like three for 25 or something like that. Uh, in the ALCS, and that's against like Masahiro Tanaka and some guys that you never even heard of, and Cesar Zabathia, who's like in a retirement home. You know, you, you see some of these guys that go out there, um, you know, that for the Yankees, and you're just you never heard of them before. And their their bullpen's good, don't get me wrong, but when you have a starter go out there and you aren't hitting their starters, what do you think is going to happen when you go out there and you face, like Ben said, a three-headed monster? Plus, like, I guess you could say the, the, the side side guy, Anibal Sanchez. Anibal Sanchez is probably going to go out there and start at least one game just so they can, you know, give the starters for the Nats a rest, uh, depending on, you know, how the series is going. If it's 3-0, they're probably not going to start Anibal Sanchez. But at the same time, I just think that when you're looking at it, that's going to play a factor. I think there's two big factors when it comes into the series, and I don't think it has to deal with the pitching. I think it actually has to deal with 
the Astros and seeing if they can get their bats going, number one. And number two is if this long break is going to hurt the Nats. And everyone says, oh, a long break, you know, that's, that, that's, 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 you know, that's nothing to worry about. These guys are professionals. You know, if I go out there and I don't, you know, I don't play for a week and I'm, you know, sitting at home playing Xbox for five days or whatever it is, and then I'm like, okay, I go back to the park and I get, oh, here comes the World Series. It's going to be different. Now, obviously, I'm not a professional baseball player, but, you know, these guys having simulated games against, you know, your own teammates is one thing with no pressure, nobody in the park. But when it comes down to it, this is a World Series. You can't just go out there and say that it's not going to be a factor. You might see in, the, in game one, which obviously Garrett Cole is going to have a factor in that, but you're going to see it in the first series where they might go through the order, you know, you know, probably one and a half, two times, and maybe only string off two or three hits. So in, in my opinion, it's going to be between those two things. Can the Astros hit the Nats pitching and get on a roll and get like some rallies going, or are they going to be like they were in the ALCS where, like I said, Springer's hitting below 200, same with Bregman and so on and so forth. So, you have to see those two factors and see what happens with those. Because it's like Ben said, I think that, you know, when it comes down to the pitching, it's kind of pretty much even for the most part. I think the Nats have a little bit of an edge with Sanchez in there uh, in the mix. Um, and also Strasburg and Scherzer pitching lights out over the last, uh, you know, couple of weeks. But I just think that if, if the Nats can, can hold off their big boppers and keep it to a four run or less game, they got a real big shot because, if they can get through the first couple of games in Houston and they bring it back to Nats Park, maybe one-one, I think they got a real big shot. But I don't. For my prediction, I just don't think. I mean, I don't, I, I just said I was going to give a prediction, but now I'm kind of going against my own thought. Um, I, I think I just talked myself out of my prediction, um, which is which is nothing new actually. Ben would know that. Um, Mike, Mike, real quick, while you think on that, I, I just want to back up one of your points is. And you guys may remember this. In 2012, my Detroit Tigers swept in their ALCS. Uh, they, they swept their opponent. They made it into the World Series. They sat there for a week waiting for their opponent, which ended up being the San Francisco Giants, who was who came back from a 3-1 deficit in their NLCS. They finished off that uh, best of seven in seven. They show up to the World Series, and they spanked the Tigers in four straight games. Well, the Tigers had sat there for a week waiting for their opponent. That's what makes me a little nervous about the Nats. That takes me back to that series and that waiting around. Now, every team's different. You never really know. But I don't like the waiting, especially for a team as hot as the Nats were hitting. Now you have those bats cooling down. Yeah. And, and, and Verlander and Scherzer are on that team, right? Yes, unfortunately, yes. And Price. <laughs> and Price and Porcello. Let's just uh, pile on. Yeah. Right. You also lost the Orioles getting swept by the Orioles in a ALDS with that rotation, too. And in, yes, in yes, 2014. Yes, yes. All right. Well, everyone, the Tigers are terrible now. Okay. The Delman. I'm not going to lie. I watched that Delman Young thing at least 100 times this postseason to remember what it felt like. Oh, man. That was. Uh... That was one of that was not a great day in college for me. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it is there. There were many other bad days. So you know what? It's all right. The Tigers, as the worst team in the league, hey, we got the number one pick. The comeback's coming, but we're not here to talk about the, the terrible Tigers. Mike, let's give give, yeah, give the prediction. What's give the prediction? How many? Who wins it and in how many games? All right. So I'm thinking that I probably shouldn't pick who wins, uh, but I will say this. I think that it's going to go seven games, 
Mm-hmm. Patrick Corbin will be the surprise starter in Game Seven. How about that? Wow, that would be. I a think surprise. Patrick Cor because I think that the Houston Astros are going to take it to a four or to a three-two series. Nats have to win Game uh, Six, and then they're going to have Strasburg and Scherzer do the exact same thing they did in the Wild Card game. How about that? Okay, and okay, I I got one more question for Ben here. So, because of the pitchers and. I don't think I'm saying anything controversial when I say advantage Astros in the bullpen. Do you think the American League park with the AL rules is actually more beneficial to the Nats that they won't have to try to play the game of when Scherzer or Strasburg come up in the sixth? If they're doing well, uh, do we take a pinch hitter here if we have a chance to score a run um, and just leave them in uh, because they don't have to do that in the pinch hitter stuff? Or do you think that's not going to be a factor? No, I think it is a factor because then that allows you to put Howie Kendrick there as that DH spot. Howie Kendrick, who has been, um, you know, pretty <laughs> a defensive pretty liability. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, exactly, a defensive liability. He's not there for his glove, that's for sure at his age. But the guy hit almost 300 in the in the NL uh, DS, and then he was able to obviously come up with some big hits. Um, and in the, in the month of September. Uh, hit 410 and 66 plate appearances. So that gives the Nats a chance, like you said, to switch from the uh, chess of the NL to the checkers of the AL, That's right. if you will. Uh, and now it, it's much more simple to kind of manage that bullpen. Because you're right, the Nats bullpen was uh, you know, basically stashed away during the NLCS. We didn't see a ton of it. We saw glimpses here and there, but by then it was a seven-run lead. We did see in that uh, elimination game, you saw a little glimpse of the Nats blowing a lead <laughs> a little bit. So that's the thing, is the Nats were able to kind of disguise how bad their bullpen was by building those leads up and by having really, really strong starting pitching um, to go deep in those games. Will the bullpen be a factor where, let's say, Garrett Cole is matching Scherzer pitch for pitch? Next thing you know, we're you know in the seventh inning or eighth inning or – you know, somebody goes long, and next thing you know, you've got to work. Uh, you got to put in some of these arms, like Wander Suero or you know whoever is still on the roster at this point. Sure. Um, and uh, and then it changes a little bit. But you're right, games one and two, that goes in the Nats' favor as far as being able to get Howie in there, get him definitely way off of second base. I think Mike could have played a better second base than Howie Kendrick. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I think and I, and I think that will work uh, a little bit in their favor. Plus. You know, uh, there's been some other surprise bats here, too, like Ryan Zimmerman. Maybe we possibly see him in a DH role at some point in the series as well. Uh, Maybe work Matt Adams in in the lineup at one point. But, but yeah, you're right. This is huge. I mean, the Nats haven't really had this. They've been obviously being in the National League this whole playoff series. You you haven't had the opportunity to give a guy like Howie a rest in the field and let him just bat. And that's all he has to concentrate on for, um, you know, for the first two games, at least. I mean, I like how your analysis is basically a little a little big league quote when it's like, it's the American League, how hard it can be. You know, I, I appreciate <laughs> exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, going back to kind of what's happened, talk about some of those moments that have happened and, and the fans' reaction. That's what I think has been the coolest thing, uh, not being a Nats fan, uh, is to to kind of catch on to that excitement of the fans and the roars and the, the crowd shots and the baby shark, which is, you know, the clips I show for my kids, you know, talk about the fan support and, and how it's kind of cranked up here in the postseason. Sure. I'll, I'll go first and then I'll let Mike give his opinion. So I was there for the wild card game. Um, uh, and that was an electric atmosphere. I, I was 
at Nats Park in 2012 for their first playoff appearance. I thought that was a, a really great environment. The first uh, you know playoff. Now, of course, I saw Edwin Jackson out there throw a stinker, and I think the Nats lost like six one. I did not get to go to the Jason Worth uh, game tying home run game. Instead, I went to Edwin Jackson. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I did get to go to the NL wild card game, uh, lucky enough, and, and saw just a, an absolute incredible game. I mean, we're talking about, like Mike mentioned that play earlier, that that's a play that whether it's any DC sport, that play doesn't really go in the Nats' favor, uh, you know, a 99 times out of 100. Um, you know, yeah, Juan Soto gets a hit, but in all reality, the right fielder should have made that play on the ball and it should have stayed maybe a tie game at the time. And then, you know, who knows what's going to happen. But when that ball rolled by him, I mean, I'm talking hugging strangers. Me and the guy next to me, we didn't speak all game. When that happens, he and I are staring at each other. We're hugging. We're, 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 I mean, it's unbelievable what, what happened in the atmosphere that was going on in that stadium that day. Um, and it, it just basically built on that from there. So like you said, you know, there's been some incredible moments, obviously, um, you know, everything that happened in L.A. when the Nats were facing, uh, it was the, the game five and, and, you know, Howie Kendrick hits the grand slam and got Juan Soto who hits some runs and kind of rescues the Nats against the choker that is Clayton Kershaw. Let's not forget Clayton Kershaw is one of the biggest frauds in playoff baseball. Um, and, uh, you know, so that was a game where it was like, what, 1230 at night, one in the morning. I was on it vacation. Was, was My wife had to wake me up. Hey, they're 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 coming back here. I was I was dozing off a little bit. I'm embarrassed to admit, but um, you know this playoff run has been filled with these kinds of moments. Uh, Twitter wars with Cardinals fans and <laughs> Dodgers fans, left and right. I'll tell you, people say Cardinals fans are some of the best at baseball. They are not the best on social media. I'll tell you what, those are, there were some angry Cardinals fans who all wanted Juan Soto to die. All I mean, it's got to be hard to text on a rotary. I mean, it must be tough. Oh, exactly, exactly. Some, <laughs> of the, some, of the, some of the tweets didn't make it because they were literal tweets from pigeons that they were sending out, these messages Smoke and that sort of thing. And stuff, yeah. yeah, so, but they were, they, they were an interesting bunch. I, I got into little scraps on Twitter with a couple of them, but you're right. I mean, this has been a magical year. Mike said it earlier, the comeback from you know, starting 19 and 31, Gerardo Parra joins this team and hits a grand slam in his Nats debut and really kind of kicks off the rest of the season and turns into something really, really special in that. And look, you and I, Joe, when, when we talked earlier in the year, we kind of talked about a little bit, you know, Nats fans, they're not there yet. They're not the Baltimore fans. They're not, you know, Yankees fans or Cardinals fans. They haven't been in the league long enough to kind of earn that respect yet and they're still kind of learning how to be fans i mean look the nets have never been in the world series they're not going to know how to act in the situation but i'll tell you this has been a, a, a i think a great learning experience for the nets fan base to kind of taste a little bit more success and kind of you know hey now we're building a legacy as a franchise now um and kind of learning hey oh this is what being in the playoffs is like this is what being in a world series is like and then I think from moving forward, there'll be a little more respect from the rest of the league. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, still D.C. and terrible city and everybody hates us. But, you know, it's uh, besides that, I think this has been just an incredible, incredible ride. All right. Well, uh, look, I, I will say this. I'm happy for you and Cerrone. I'm happy for, you know, the fans that listen that are Nats fans. I'm happy for them. I'm not going to pretend like I'm rooting for the Nationals in this series, though. And that's, I am. 
I explained, yeah, Leland is because he likes me to be miserable. Um, because yeah, apparently, well, Joe, it, what, what, it translates better quick. on the podcast if I'm not happy. But um, yeah, real quick, Joe. Uh, so what? What don't? I mean, here's the thing about this Nats team, though. I will say, even if I step back for a second, as my take my Nats hat off for a second, looking at the Nats team, though, this it's not like this is a group of unlikable. No, guys. it has nothing right? to do with the players. At this point, yeah, it has nothing yeah. to do with the players. It's it's just the sheer fact that. I stuck with the Orioles. I made that choice when the Nats moved to D.C. I was like, no, I've been an Orioles fan. I'm still going to be an Orioles fan. I love the orange and black. I'm going to stick with the birds. And we went to an ALCS, and I was laughing the whole time. I was like, yeah, yeah, cool beans. You know, we're in an ALCS. Y'all haven't even won a playoff series. Well, now you all have made a World Series. And the thought of the Nats winning World Series in my lifetime before the Orioles is enough to make my skin crawl. And, okay. Jesus. Yeah. And, <laughs> this guy took a real deep turn here. Yeah. And I'm like, no. Oh, this is just scratching and the surface, guys. I, so, it's, I, so it's jealousy. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's 100% jealousy at this point. And, okay. You can, you and, can a man to admit it. And I told admit. Leland, I told Leland this, you know, when it looked like the when DJ LeMayhew hit a two-run homer in game six. And I was like, oh, God. And I was like, the Yankees are going to come back and win this, and then I'm going to have a Yankees-Nats World Series. I, I told him the week before, if that happened, I was either rooting for the glaciers to melt and the world to burn, or I was going to root for the world to burn, and if I couldn't be happy, no one could, and I wanted the Yankees to win. Because I've lived through a Yankees World Series before. I haven't lived through a Nats World Series before. So you're not at home doing the baby shark when uh, with all the other nights? <laughs> I mean, no. I'm doing the baby shark, but there's no baseball on, so I'm, no. I'm in a different place. Yeah, no. the, the, Leland's on board then. We'll, we'll take Leland with us. That's fine. Hey, I, I'll tell you one thing, though. Yeah. I, I will – I will. okay, I'm going to say one thing. Number, first of all, I'm still shell-shocked that Ben hugged a stranger. Um, <laughs> but uh, that, that's, just, that's, just, that's just me. Ben, ben does not like people. Um, so – Honestly, when I go back and I, I look at you know when Ryan Zimmerman got the homer, I think it was Game Four or whatever game it was, um, and, and Ben knows my frustrations with with the gentleman, and uh, they call Zim, and <laughs> I, I will I will say that right now he has been pretty clutch in in the playoffs. I mean, I, I I'm just I'm just trying to put that on record as many times on audio as possible for people that do not understand my frustrations with the guy. So I will say that I will eat some crow right now and say he has been pretty clutch so far in the playoffs for his last season, hopefully, fingers crossed. And uh, I'm just going to say that, put, put it out there. And as Ben said for, for social media, for some reason, the other day uh, when the Nats were you know, winning against the Cardinals and everything like that, um, I, I just saw so many tweets about Bryce Harper uh, from Phillies fans. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the poster that that woman put uh, out there from Nats Park that said, like, tickets, $35, and all that kind of stuff. That went viral. Priceless, yeah. The the, the funniest thing was that all the Nats, or excuse me, all the Phillies fans thought that the tickets were actually $35, (laughs) which which just shocks me because I don't know how you could understand that that's not a joke. Like she's not going to put thirty five hundred dollars or something down like that. I just think it's kind of funny because people literally on Twitter were were taking jabs and that saying, "Oh, no wonder you can't sell out your park and all that stuff." Like, okay, like let's be honest here. You know, it, it, so I texted Ben immediately and I started screenshotting stuff. And I'm sure he probably ignored me, um, but at the same time, I started laughing because I literally sat there and I was like, "I cannot hold my tongue." 
I try not to go in Twitter arguments and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but when I kept seeing all these people, you know, and we had a guest uh, from Philly on our podcast, um, you know, a, a good sports writer from up there, and uh, I'm not going to name her or anything like that. But basically, when I was when I was going through the feed of of the picture, it was kind of funny because I was like, these people actually think that poster serious. And I was like, I can't hold my tongue. And one guy was like, you know, you guys can't sell out your park and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, that would never happen in Philly. So I, I just quietly replied that there's nothing else to do in Philly. So that's the only thing you can do. <laughs> um, so, you know, basically, you know, and, and of course, Love he never it. replied back to me because he had no response to that because mm-hmm. all they have is cheesesteaks, Rocky and and the Phillies. Top um, rope, and uh, I mean, you can't you can't say the Eagles. I picked the Eagles last night against the Cowboys and they got flashed. So. Obviously, don't have the Eagles anymore either. So, I mean, honestly, it's just I just think they it's climb funny poles how, and stuff. They can they can climb poles downtown. Yeah, they're yeah, very good. Uh, whatever, hey, whatever, whatever floats their boat. I saw that the the Flyers are beating Vegas Golden Knights tonight. I don't know if anyone went to that game or not. They probably did because they have nothing else to do because the Phillies aren't playing. Um, they're probably climbing poles. It's just it's just funny to me how people on social media they get so and especially the Harper thing like everyone keeps saying like well, Harper's gone all this kind of stuff yeah yes but the it's the, the irony in all this is what makes it more fun to troll Philly fans like you're paying so many people you're paying Reese Hoskins you're paying Bryce you're paying all these guys uh, you know real muto and all this kind of stuff and then now you fire your manager and you're trying to. They they actually you know interviewed Dusty Baker to come be their manager. I mean that's just that's just the irony is like let's go reach for the Nats scraps because we want to be where the Nats are at. Like you lost, you had a 500 record with the biggest payroll and, and known to man. And I don't know if that's true or not. I'm just I'm just speaking yeah, out. I think the Dodgers and the Yankees here, but, beat him, but yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Shocker. Shocker. <laughs> but it's just it's just funny to me how like they're they're kind of feeding off the Nats scraps now to try to be like the Nats because they want to see, you know, if they can do it. But obviously, you know, and obviously I'm also kind of going on a rant here, but when people say like, oh yeah, you know, if they had Bryce, it'd be so much of an upgrade. Well, we won't have Bryce. So, you know, this is the team now. This is what we have. And I just think it's kind of funny. I'm just throwing that tidbit out there. It's kind of, it's kind of hilarious to me that the, the Phillies are kind of trying to throw jabs at the Nats, even though the Nats are going to the World Series. It makes kind of zero sense to me, but I just wanted to add on to the to Ben's social media tidbit for a second. Yeah. I mean, um, as a Virginia Tech fan that in UVA went in the, in the National Championship in basketball last year, this is when you just shut up and, and take it, and the Phillies are just too stupid to do that. So. I'm a huge Virginia Tech fan, too, and I, I hated uh, seeing UVA yeah. escape like four times. When yeah. they got all the calls in the world and all this kind of stuff happened to them, but I mean, I I can't I just I, gotta I, shut I up and accept it. Right it. Now. Yeah, but yeah, so I, subject. I try to I try to be quiet. But me and Ben just had a NBA fantasy draft, and uh, and what's what's the guys uh, DeAndre Hunter? I have him on my team now, so I got to root uh, for him. I guess so. Uh, so right. I got to go with it because I needed a small forward. I needed a small forward. I had to pick somebody. Well, I keep my Twitter beefs with John Heyman, um, just because <laughs> I don't like him, and he. He constantly craps on the Orioles like they're the first team to ever go into a rebuild mode. Um, but oh, he's terrible on Twitter. Oh, he'll on Twitter. Game. He's on there. He's, he's like terrible. the Orioles are bad for baseball. Next tweet. Look at the Astros lineup. Oh my gosh, they're the best thing to ever happen to baseball. I'm like, yeah. I wonder how they got it. I don't know. Maybe because they had a three or four straight hundred loss seasons. But you know, I don't yeah. know. Oh, Everyone the Orioles about that. Yeah, the both, Orioles both shouldn't the even thing. be in the major leagues. Next tweet. Why are the Orioles firing everyone in their scouting department? Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe because you just totally trashed their organization. Just because your friend got fired. 
who sucked at his job. Don't get mad at us for firing him. <laughs> and now also, terrible, uh, terrible uh, articles for the Athletic, right? Yeah, that no one reads because I have to pay for I, it. Pass. I read a couple, of, so I do have the Athletic. I read a couple of those, and they're not. Pr- he, he doesn't proofread his pieces. <laughs> There's spelling errors sometimes. Yeah, it's not it's important. Pretty bad. Um, not going to earth. But yeah, speaking of speaking of VT, just really quickly, I. If you're defending, we'll talk about this. They've our listeners have already heard it behind the curtain. We're doing the interview before the episode, but um, the people defending Ryan Willis on Twitter, stop, delete your Twitter. Oh, Ryan Willis was the first guy to celebrate with Quincy Patterson after that two point conversion. Cool. Then he can be a professional celebrator, but I don't want to see him on the football field ever again. Well, I'll tell you this right now. The, the last tidbit I'll say about about Tech is that. I'm telling you right now, if Tech does not win at least eight or more games, uh, they're they're firing the entire staff this year. Just FYI, because uh, if, Bud Foster, if Bud Foster, if Bud out, if Bud Foster is out, because he is, I mean, he's retiring. Yeah, this is the easy way for the AD to say we're cleaning house. Anyone in the world will take an ACC football job, especially in the in the epicenter of you know you have Can or uh, Kentucky. Tennessee, North Carolina, Virginia, you got all that stuff right around there. Anyone in the world in their right mind would take that job. And now, right now, you're seeing Virginia Tech football kind of be, you know, just downgraded so much where, you know, they're going to be going to play in a, in a bowl game that's out in Arizona that no one has any idea where the stadium is because it's in the desert. And no one's going to even watch that game. It's, it, it, it's coming down to the point. I know we're talking about the Nats here, but it's coming down to a point when I'm a huge Tech fan that I just I liked the, the hiring of Justin Fuente, but when with the proof is in the pudding and your record is getting worse and worse every single year, that that, that that's not going to be uh, you know satisfactory for the Tech fans, and that's not satisfactory for me. And I want I I was one of the advocates of, of letting Beamer go. It's kind of the same thing yep. with Joe Paul when you yep. get to that when you get to that point. You know, same same thing with uh with, with, what's his name from Florida State uh Bowden uh, Bowden. Um, you know, it, basically, when you when you get to that point and you're 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 a little away from the game and the game is is you know going on while you're kind of staying back in old school, it's not going to work. And Fuente right now, I think he's kind of in over his head, and you know they just have to go find that new guy that's you know maybe a JMU coach or or, or whatever whoever is going to go out there and try yeah, to get this Houston. <laughs> you got to do something because right now they're they're going in the tube. And that's why you're seeing all these kids transfer left and right. That's why you saw Josh Jackson transfer and just a bunch of different guys that are transferring. And when you have some good recruits that are considering tech, you can't have a, a regime right there that's basically losing recruits and basically, uh, you know, running the, the program down the tube where you're, you know, you're barely winning against a Mac Brown, you know, development team in North Carolina. Or not, you didn't lose, but you're, you're taking them to six overtimes. You're missing field goals and you're doing – it's, you can't have that kind of stuff. And then you play like a team uh, like Rhode Island, who has 20 people in the state, and, they, and, and, and you're, you're, you're losing or you're, you're almost losing to that team and you're not blowing them out. It's just it's not Virginia Tech football that I grew up with. And right now it's kind of just it, it's kind of flat line for me. I think they need to get a new regime if they don't win eight or more games this year. I, I agree with you. Um, and Leland and I will talk about that some more uh, in our episode. But, uh, guys, just really quickly. Um, the NBA season's getting ready to start up. I know you guys love the NBA. Just 
it's it's a struggle for me, but I think I'm going to watch more this year just because it, of the parity that is spread throughout the league this year. But quickly, Wizards, yes or no, playoffs. Got to be no, right? <laughs> Got to be no, right? Is that a serious question? Yeah, okay, good. So definitely no. All right. Here's the thing, Joe. So it's a no, but I will say... (laughs) But we got Justin Robinson. (laughs) Well, no. So the Wizards... Yeah, Justin Robinson made it. Hey, he did. Justin Robinson is a good defender. He's a a solid player. Now, uh, the Wizards are not going to make the playoffs, but they are going to at least be somewhat entertaining to watch this year if you're... um, Like Clown Carf? ...following this team... Well, I, I will say, I mean, th- yeah, there's going to be some moments like that. But okay. there's some young guys on this team. Uh, Rui Hachimura is uh, one of the yes. young faces of the NBA. He's Japanese. He's uh, kind of brings a whole new um, kind of fan base to the team and kind of has, uh, you know, just a really strong upside. Uh, same thing with uh, one of the best names in the NBA, Admiral Schofield. I mean, yes. that sounds like a Star Wars commander. Um, and... Uh, you know, you've got you've got, you know, the story with Isaiah Thomas possibly making a comeback. Um, you know, Bradley Beal still being one of the best shooters in the NBA. Thomas Bryant, one of the young uh, centers that um, is actually really on the rise. So you're right. Are the, are the Wizards going to compete this year? No, they're not. Uh, they're waiting around for John Wall to come back from injury, which may not even happen this season. Um, but they will at least have some young guys that are going to try hard because there's nothing more annoying than seeing veteran players on a team that's tanking just not care at all this is not going to be like that um you are going to have young guys who are trying to show out um so there's that plus you know maybe the ticket prices will go down a little bit so we can go see uh Giannis and the Bucks come to town or uh you know get, get to see some of the other teams in the NBA come by uh the old Capital One Arena all right well guys I thank you for coming on again uh it's always fun to have you on um, if the Nats win, good for you guys. Obvious. I'm not going to pretend like I'm rooting for them though. So, um, yeah. Hey, look out for Yon. Hey, look out for Yon Mahimi. He's gonna he's gonna break out this year. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I heard that before. NBA picks in. Don't worry, Joe. We'll get you a Nats World Series hat. <laughs> I'm going to send you a baby shark in the mail. <laughs> God, please. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Uh, thanks again to the guys from DC crossover and. Uh, Guys, it's always fun. I'm sure we'll have you on uh, when the Wizards are playing and we need to talk about NBA and I don't want to do it. So <laughs> There you go, man. We'll, 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 be a, we'll, we'll make ourselves available when the Nats win in seven. Real uh, quick, Twitter's sure. at, at Cerrone16 for yeah. Mike and at the DC crossover uh, for myself and the show Twitter. And yeah, well, I did joke about us taking a little break from the podcast. We will be getting back in full force probably or here at the start of the NBA and kind of halfway through the NFL season and such. Not a lot to talk about in Redskins town for sure, but uh, they got that win against the Dolphins. Yeah, yeah, we didn't even ask. <laughs> yeah, there was a, that was that was a big win. Uh, but we will be getting back uh, probably uh, either later this month or definitely uh, in November. So just check the the podcast page again. This is the, it's the DC crossover um, uh, and download and subscribe for sure. All right, D-block time where we talk about us, what's dominating our life. I'll go first. I binged watch season one of Killing Eve. It got a lot of attention around Emmy time, and um, it didn't draw me in at first because of Sandra Oh. She was on Grey's. I was never a huge fan 
of her and other things. Um, but one of the writers on the show was the same um, as the lead character in um, um, in the Dirtbag series that I talked about a couple weeks ago. So I was like, okay, that, you know, she, she her writing on the other show, her that show was all her. It was really unexpected things would happen and, and it wasn't just what I'd seen before. So we'll try this killing Eve and uh, it's pretty good. It's solid. I, it's not the best thing I've ever watched. It's not as unpredictable as I was probably hoping it was, but it's very good and it's, it is different. It's just a different plot line storyline than you're used to. Um, the bad mean person in the show has likable things about them and, and she's a psychopath, but very likable things. So uh, the basic part of the show is that there's this psychopath going around killing people um as she's instructed sandra o plays the uh british government operative trying to hunt her down and chase her but she kind of does have kind of an obsession about chasing her down so uh it's really interesting um like i said it's it's a different kind of storyline not every aspect of the show is unpredictable because sometimes i'm like oh this is about to happen and, and then it does but um it's good and i think it is worth watching i Mom, sorry, this one's not for you either, but other people try it, um, you know, two episodes in, if you're liking it, I think you'll be hooked. And if you're not, then, then you'll move on, but I like it. And, uh, I'm season two is available. So I'm going to dive right into that. And then I think season three is due up soon. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen it's it. It's not a superhero thing. So. I, I know it's on AMC though. And that's no, it's on BBC. Probably it's worse. not on AMC. We oh, it's on BBC. Okay. Before. Well, whatever. Who cares? Um, not obviously you. So. Obviously not me. Um, which probably tells you I'm not going to watch it. But I'm glad you enjoy it, and um, that's good. Uh, so we had a watch party for the Virginia Tech game at your house, uh, and as you said, Rob was there. Um, Ron. Ron. Rob was there, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. That was probably it helped that it was an exciting game, no doubt. Yeah. But, well, yeah. 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 Uh, Wow, I have. Oof, that was probably top three most praying I've ever done during a sporting event. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was very tense moments in that game. I'm glad Virginia Tech pulled out the win. Um, it was a great time with great people. Again, thanks to your wife for letting me stay as long as I did. Um, and I apologize for that. That was not the intended goal. But um, had a lot of fun with uh, Rob and then. Uh, his wife came over and she was there for the good part, which was the hokey win. Uh, and sorry to and, Rob, and like a good person. She was rooting for us. Yeah. Her, her yeah. Son plays soccer there. And right. She's, she's, she has the right set of frame yeah, of mind. supporting Rob, the right Rob team is just off his balance. And, but I don't know, um, like he's a, he's a UNC basketball fan. And then some reason he, he thinks that UNC football is deserved of his attention. And I just, I've always disagreed. And luckily uh, this weekend help reinforce that he just needs to give it up. Yeah, but he really loves Mac Brown. I don't. <laughs> he loves Mac Brown just because I've talked so much trash on him on this podcast. Because as I continue to do during the game, I mean, every game I, every joke I made was just like how old he was or and him taking his pills and like that's the that that's that's wrong for you. He's just digging at me. He's just going after me just to just to rile me up and it works every time um, and the, the thing is i know he's doing it and i still get mad at him yeah fun time though i enjoyed it thank you i appreciate you coming over there'll be more good especially gotta, if we keep winning housework done yeah. especially <laughs> if we keep winning yeah all right so what do you know that i need to know um i shared it with you and rob ron um 
but someone took the final play of the Virginia Tech game yeah. <laughs> and put the Titanic uh, song "My Heart Will Go On" by Whitney Houston to it. Yeah, and it's Celine Dion. <sighs> cool. Celine Dion. God, I do that every time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know they look alike, um, but <laughs> but. Um, it was so funny. Like when I saw it today, I just busted out laughing and I was like, oh, this is so amazing. You know, they do that for like every close. Game, I know. Right? I know. But I, I love it. It's funny. It gets me every time. I should probably not waste this, but the thing that I get that's like really repetitive that they just keep making a bunch of is this Bill Hader dancing. Uh, they just take the same like 25 second clip of him dancing and they put it to like songs and then they made a whole nother Twitter page where it was him dancing to like NPR theme songs. And it just works. Like it's always on the right beat and uh, his facial motion. It's just so awesome. But yeah, your Titanic repetitiveness and and thinking it's really funny. I've been laughing out loud. At oh, this that's right. Dancing. I did show you the do- the Divakarigi one. Yeah, I forgot about that, too. So, yeah, it's been some good Twitter stuff out there. Uh, I need to retweet better. Uh, I need to do that better. But what I know that you need to know um, and I think this is a, a public service announcement. This Facebook marketplace is it's the wild, wild west. I mean, it anything can happen out there. I mean, I we had a yard sale a couple weeks ago and it wasn't going the best. They're just we weren't having the traffic we needed. So I was like, all right, I'll take some of these bigger items, some of these things that we're not just going to throw away and I'll put them on Facebook marketplace to kind of push them out of here. And like we're standing here at the yard sale anyway. It'll just come on, come get it. I can I can hold it if I need to, but come get it. Um. I got told to go to hike and it wasn't go take a hike. It was an autocorrect of go to hike. And it should have been two L's at the end of that word instead of a K E go to and, hell. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I'm just like, I didn't even earn it. And that's what makes me so <laughs> mad about it is that like, I, I can, you, you hear how I argue with you. This, all of our listeners know how I argue with you. I would be happy if you told me to go to hike uh, during this podcast at some point because of our arguments and how I bash at you about, Appalachian state, but no, this guy was down the line of people that wanted an oven and he wasn't the first person to tell me he was coming to get it and anything, but all of a sudden I'm, I deserve a go to hike and I didn't even earn it and I wanted to earn it so bad, but he had already told me to go to hike. So what can I do? But, uh, it's, it's crazy out there. Go take a hike. A lot of good trails. I could take a hike instead of just go to hike. But, uh, yeah, it was, it's crazy. And that, and that wasn't the only bad experience with it. Uh, I'm done with it for a little bit. I got rid of most of the items. I pulled the other items down because people are crazy. And it's just, I guess there's like an auto thing where like you have the item for sale and it's like, is this still available? And like, finally, I just started putting on the things like, if it's not available, I will take it down or mark it sold. Like just ask your question or tell me you're coming. Cause like it's wasting back and forth. It's just, I don't like it. We might need to regress in technology for selling items because Facebook marketplace, I don't think it's a good thing. I think it's crazy. And uh, I think we need to get a little more formal about things instead of just willy nilly like this. And uh, there you go. Uh, Go back to like, I'm not saying like take digital out of it. eBay seems to work. Okay. I'm just saying this. So I didn't like that eBay commercial we watched though. That eBay commercial was tough. That eBay commercial that basically said, Hey, small businesses, you're done. Uh, yeah, that, that was, was uncomfortable. Tough. Yeah, and it was negative. They, they were laughing at the prices in these small business yeah. stores, and it, I mean, made me feel like Matt Vesgersian. Made me want to go shop a small business. Oh, you should. You should support your small businesses. I know it's not Small Business Weekend, but you should always support your small businesses. Always. 
All right, our last point, and this is uh, worth more than a dominating my life or need to know thing. Um, it hit my Twitter feed a lot through the weekend and here at the beginning of the week um, because it was sports related, but it, this goes well beyond sports. There's video of a potential school shooting happening at Park Rose High School. Uh, Keenan uh, Lowe, who played for the Oregon Ducks, he played in their last national championship run, made a touchdown catch in that game. Uh, he is a coach at the school and a teacher. And the video shows him um, having disarmed a shooter, a student that was going to be a shooter, and uh, getting the gun out of his hands and then hugging him and talking to him and telling him, you know, that he's there for them and that he cares. And that's what that's what the kid was looking for, was someone to care. And um, it was just a big moment for this guy. I mean, he's a hero. Uh, for what potentially could have happened. He's a hero for that that individual who is obviously on the front side of some very, very bad decisions. And and thank God he was there to to make those bad decisions not be fulfilled. And I'm, sh I'm still sure there's trouble for that person, but they need help. And he was the first one to step in and provide help. And it was at the at at the risk of his life to do it. So I just wanted to call that guy out. A lot of words like hero get thrown out in sports. And uh, even though this guy has a sports background, that dude's a hero for what he's doing in that school for that moment. Um, but it also shows what impact teachers can have and what um, what risks face uh, teachers these days. So I just wanted to highlight that guy and uh, make sure we called him out here. I know Tony Rally had a very nice tweet and showing the video and talking about it uh really well said like tony Rialli usually does um it was on abc news but uh just make sure you have a chance to go on social media and like that look at it like it and reinforce the positives uh around heroes and, and school shootings and um the right attention being focused around what happened here yeah i i really don't have anything else to add um you kind of said it perfectly uh it was a scary situation and luckily he reacted in the right way and saved lives and that's it's good to see um because yep. too many times when we see those kind of videos it's not that way so it's it's good to see good news and uh thanks to keenan lowe for yeah doing more than he's called upon in his role as a teacher oh yeah yeah above and beyond and and I hope to, you know, there's a part of me that hopes to hear more good news out of the situation, like maybe that that student getting the help that they need and, and maybe this is a, a turning corner for their life. But even if we don't hear anything, um, you know, for privacy reasons and, and it's his own business, um, I, I, I do like knowing this, seeing this and being able to spread the word of this. Well, All on right. that note, we will wrap things up here on the Yak Sports Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod. We're on Facebook, Yak Sports Pod, or you can email us, yaksportspod at gmail.com. Subscribe on Podbean, Apple, Google, and Spotify to make sure you never miss another episode. We will be back next week talking more high school football and more college football. Uh, if you disagree with anything we said, uh, be sure to leave it in the comments and tell us how wrong we are or how right we are. Um, give the guys at DC crossover a look too. If you're a Nats guy, um, they're going to have a lot of, they won't have a lot of good coverage until after the world series, but, uh, be sure to be following them. Also the office ladies podcast. Started. Yes. I tweeted about it, but that started it's, it's a, if you listen to our podcast, I feel like you, you need to listen to that too. Cause we'll be listening along with that podcast. And maybe we may not be talking about it on this podcast, but you need to be sharing in the experience of hearing behind the scenes information from the office. It, it, it should be mandatory listening for everybody. 
Well, folks, until next week, we thank you for listening to the Axe Wars podcast, and that'll do it for us. For Leland, I'm Joe Deck. Thanks for listening. Good night. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast. 